Hello, hello, and welcome to Megan's Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Collins. I'm a trend forecaster, youth researcher, internet philosopher, and calendar lover. This is my podcast where I talk about what's cool right now and why with a side of existentialism, anti-capitalism, and sometimes a sprinkle of misandry. This week, we're talking about end-of-year reporting, reading the newspaper, and award season. More in a minute. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to acknowledge and make an addendum to one of my previous episodes. Two episodes ago, I played video from a creator calling for a ceasefire in Gaza and speaking very emotionally and passionately about the situation. I clipped one part, and the reason I did that is because... I understood the implied meaning there was like, it's not right that we get to know these people parasocially and then watch them die and do nothing. And that part was implied. That could have been taken out of context to say that the issue is not the conflict in Gaza, but that we are being exposed to it in a way that I know the creator didn't mean based on all of the context that I had watching their video that I didn't feel that people listening to this would get as clearly if it was in there. But they very kindly listened to this podcast and commented that that part was when their humanity most showed. And I was like, oh, I hate that I cut that part out if that's what they feel was most impactful to say. So with that added context, I'm going to replay their whole video out of respect for them and their message that they wanted to get across. And then we'll jump into the episode. These are the words of Grey Lynette or at Gracism on Instagram and TikTok. I just have to say this. That doctor, Dr. Hamam, who went on the interview like two days ago saying, do you think I went to medical school for 14 years? Think only of myself in response to the interviewer asking, why did he not leave? He's dead now. And so is his family. This is not right. This is not right to be able to meet people parasocially on the internet and to hear about their lives and to hear about them caring for other people. It's not right. We need a fucking ceasefire. I swear to God. He stayed. He stayed so he could help people. And what he got was to be murdered. We need a fucking ceasefire. I have bad news. I've TikTok relapsed. So it was actually in editing this here very podcast that I needed to download TikTok on my phone to get all the fun little sound bites that I painstakingly insert throughout. I use TikTok for that because they have the best search engine that you can then easily download video. And then after I did that and the job was done, I was like, technically I should delete it. And I didn't. I knew what I was doing. I knew I was being bad. And then later that night, it was 2 a.m. and I'm scrolling TikTok and I was like, and then two days later, I deleted it again. (laughs) So I did have a relapse, but I also am back on the wagon. TikTok is off of my phone and I think it needs to stay that way for the foreseeable future. Still on it on my iPad, but staying off of it on my phone until I can get some self-control. second thing I want to talk about was yesterday I went to the movies and I saw Poor Things starring Emma Stone. I am Bella Baxter. I'm a flawed experimenting person. I seek outings and adventures. Bella so much to discover. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. 
I am finding being alive fascinating. Bella. Why I keep it in my mouth if it is revolting? <laughs> I must go punch that baby. Directed by Yargos Lanthimos, I believe is the name. I'd actually seen two other movies directed by him. The Favorite, also starring Emma Stone. He also directed The Lobster, which is kind of a weird, quiet little movie that I watched on Netflix and enjoyed enough. I don't think I would have liked it had I seen it in theaters, but since I saw it in the comfort of my own bed, I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay, I like it, Picasso. I think she definitely might win another Oscar. She gave an incredible performance. Emma laughs. Her laugh, like, travels the world, you know? When she laughs, it comes up to your feet and bubbles up through your body, and the oh, next man. thing you know, you're just lit up with that. Mama falls in love, I know That boy will never be the same She's the kind of book That you can't put down Like if Cleopatra grew up in a small town She was like a shot of espresso. Being bathed in sunlight. She's incredibly energetic and enthusiastic, and she had this sense of play and fun, which was incredibly exciting. And so I've just been thinking about movies a lot more lately than I have in the past few years and the award season, and I think I'll probably actually care about the Oscars this year, so I want to go see Past Lives. There's a word in Korean. Inyan. It means providence or fate. And then I also want to see American Fiction by Cord Jefferson. Monk, your books are good, but they're not popular. Editors, they want a black book. They have a black book. I'm black and it's my book. You know what I mean. Look at what they published. Look at what they expect us to write. I just want to rub their noses in it. <laughs> I'd be standing outside in the night. Deadbeat dads, rappers, crack. You said you wanted black stuff. That's black, right? I see what you're doing. We sold your book. No. I actually like Jacob Elordi's performance in Priscilla. I think it would be funny if he won just to make Austin Butler man. Oh, speaking of Austin Butler. So right now is Actors on Actors season. So if you don't know, Variety every year does a thing where they pair actors together to talk about their work. I haven't watched any of them yet, but the clips are all over TikTok. Emma Stone actually did one with Bradley Cooper. Emma. Coopsie poopsies. I'm so happy to see you. You too. You're looking so fresh. Am I? Yeah. Oh, thanks. You look great. I like the blazer. Thank you. I have to give it back at the end of the day. And the leather skirt. Also not mine. Well, maybe you should ask to keep them. Okay. In Jacob Lordy's, he was talking about playing Elvis and the voice and how he got it down and blah, blah, blah. But the thing that he said that was so interesting to me was that he basically said without saying it that Elvis possessed him and that he was channeling Elvis's spirit. It really was this thing of like, there's no way I'm going to play Elvis Presley unless the divine comes in, unless whoever, whatever comes in and I can, and I can do that thing because you can learn how to dance. You can do your best to learn how to sing and you can carry living and do these things and you know, you can do it. It's there. It's, it's, it, that's all uh, mimicking and copying and, and, you know, and letting it get into your bones. But there is, I realized really quickly with Elvis that there's a deep spiritual element to 
to him. Like he talks about how the scene in the hotel room, something just came over him and he just started sobbing and he couldn't stop. Like how he just like found Elvis. You know, and I, and I kind of just trusted this idea that he had the kind of ghost of his brother and his mother with him the whole time. Mm. And something happened on the last day of filming when he says to Priscilla, he says, you know, uh, may, maybe another time, maybe another place. And I said it, and it's an emotional scene, and, and I'd been sitting with it, and I hadn't really thought about it. I didn't want to get too bogged down in anything. And I just started weeping in this hotel room in Vegas. Um, Philippe, our DP, had set up the lights so that they were like a beating heart that was slowly dying. Like the Vegas lights mm -hmm. outside the window, these red lights were just, it was his heartbeat slowly going out. And I looked at Kaylee, and I was crying, and I, uh, Kaylee Spade, my co-star, and I just, I said, they, they killed this boy. You know, they killed this boy. And that was the divine coming in, sort of informing whatever it was. And to this day, I can't, I won't ever be able to put words to it or explain it or say it, but it was kind of like what you were saying, Isn't trusting in the divine or whatever it was. And I'm, and I am deeply spiritual, but also not at the same time. And compare this to also Austin Butler, who famously embodied the voice of Elvis and then quote unquote, couldn't stop and then stayed in Elvis's voice. There's people out there who say that ever since I played Elvis, my voice has changed, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that it got deeper, <laughs> more Elvisy. Uh, but that's not true. I've always sounded like this. Let's say both of these men are not just ridiculous people who love attention. Let's say that it's very, very real what both of them experienced. Who's to say that Elvis is not literally haunting the earth? And like, who's to say that Elvis didn't haunt them and possess them so that they could play him correctly? But I know you. And I'm gonna when you talk about like spirits and ghosts and if you believe in all of that stuff, they only stick around if they feel like they have unsettled business, like something unfinished. So if Elvis is sticking around to settle his unfinished business and he possessed Austin Butler and then Austin didn't win the Oscar and then he possessed Jacob Elordi, if Jacob doesn't win the Oscar and then someone else plays Elvis, like... People are gonna die. Terrible, but like, inevitable? This could be a movie in and of itself. The Hunting by Elvis. So anyways, in conclusion, I think that the ghost of Elvis is still here in our, I don't know, frequency, vibration, earthly realm, whatever you want to call it, possessed Austin Butler. Also, let's not forget that Vanessa Hudgens, Austin Butler's ex-girlfriend, and they dated for like a decade, was the first one who told him, hey, you should play Elvis. And they were just driving in the car one day and she's like, you should play Elvis. And she's a wit. Is that or is that not Elvis coming to Vanessa and knowing she's tapped in, little Scorpio, putting the idea, planting the idea in her head so that he could possess Austin Butler, who then played Elvis. And then Elvis probably liked it. So he got stuck, quote unquote. And he like, you know, that also tracks too, because Austin Butler and Vanessa were together forever. And then he went and apparently cheated on her on the set of Elvis. And is there anything more Elvis to do than that? I don't think so. Elvis possessed Austin. Then he lightly possessed Jacob Elordi. Jacob Elordi probably had like a better host body to where Elvis maybe finished his business. It sounds like he had a cathartic cry in Jacob Elordi's Elordi's body. Maybe once he experienced being so tall, he just like, it's like, oh, I'm not happier tall. Anyways, 
The last personal update I have for y'all is in my quest to break my TikTok scrolling addiction. I've been scrolling other apps. I'll just be completely honest. And one of the apps I've taken to scrolling is the LA Times because I bought myself a newspaper subscription purely for the aesthetic. Um, well, this is the thing. I love books, like physical books. I'm not an ebook, audiobook girl. No hate to the ebook or audiobook girls. It's just I like to hold a physical book. And I think part of that is in order for me to get fully immersed, I need it to be a tactile experience free from technology. And so I was like, okay, why don't I do that with the news? Obviously, I'm not going to read the news every day, though, because... I don't have the attention span for that, but I ordered the Sunday paper, so I'm going to start getting the LA Times on Sunday, and I actually sat down and read it on Sunday. I mean, not cover to cover fully, but I flipped through every single page, and I read like four articles, top to bottom, and I really enjoyed it. I think that we should bring back things that are good for society by making them aesthetic, and I'm going to do that with reading the newspaper and sending mail next year, so look out for aesthetic newspaper content from me. Okay, that's all my personal updates. I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to talk about what's cool this week. So two Saturdays ago, Olivia Rodrigo, who we talked about on this podcast last week, hosted Saturday Night Live. And one creator on TikTok said, hey, I think that Olivia copied my music video. So I'm pretty sure my art got stolen and put on Saturday Night Live for Olivia Rodrigo's most recent SNL performance. I just want to know what you guys think after I show you some facts. Here's a music video I did a few years ago side by side and everything is just really close. So I just want to have a chat with Olivia Rodrigo's creative team. And to be honest, I was convinced by the end of her video. There's so many like little things in the video that are the exact same. And then what really convinced me though, that it was done maliciously, because I actually think like if you make a video and put it on the internet and someone else copies you, there's not really much that you can do. I think if they make a consistent habit of copying you specifically, then you can call them out because you can be like, hey, I don't like this, that you're getting more credit for my creativity than I am. But, and I'll put these on my Instagram so you can see it. Her video, it was cute, but Olivia's performance wasn't riding on the copying of this video in a way that I don't think it was warranted for her to get online in the way she did and be like, he's copying me. However, she also reached out to this person to ask about it and he like completely stonewalled her which to me shows me that he's guilty and he knows he did it but also it's like there's no repercussions for this i think that this just goes to show when you make art about capitalism you have disputes like this like i'll i'll make sure to tell olivia that this is where it came from i think people have started to realize that that's not how things work like just because you make something go viral doesn't mean you get a check anymore you know But just in general, I feel like SNL is doing a better job of, even though I don't watch the show, I feel like lately in the last few years, I'm more, I see more of the sketches going viral. I like Bowen Yang. I actually got really into his podcast. Actually, Kaylee got me really into their podcast. Shout out Kaylee. And I listen to it now and they're just so silly and funny, Bowen and Matt. But in addition to having like more viral skits, they also have really good guests and guest artists now. Like they had Olivia and she gave a really great performance. Like SNL performances are kind of tricky. Sometimes they're really bad but i actually thought olivia's was really good i've made some real big mistakes you make the worst one look fine i should have known it was strange you only come out at night i used to think i was smart you made me look so naive the way you sold me for parts and sunk you 
And now, this weekend, Renee Rapp's gonna be on it. And so I think she's definitely one to watch. She's very cool. And just in general, SNL apparently, who's ever doing the booking over there, if it's still Ben Affleck's ex, Lindsay, shut up. Lindsay Shookus, then good job, Lindsay Shookus. The only reason I know who she is is because of Hulikly. Okay, anyways, the next thing I want to talk about is end of year reporting. So this is huge in my industry. This is like the thing, the time. I personally love Pinterest predicts. I don't think it's like groundbreaking, but I think it's super accurate and I think it's beautiful message like it's the best trend report in terms of like how it looks how it's written the graphics the imagery the navigation 10 out of 10 trend report we also see this time of year like everyone declares their words like oxford said the word of the year was riz as we talked about last week but Pantone also says their color of the year. So they said the color for this year was going to be Viva Magenta. And in the past, I've always said like Pantone doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. But with this year, I had to be like, "Mm, they were kind of spot on with Barbie pink and everything. Okay, so you know how last week I talked about how Riz was actually more telling about what the aspirational thing is for young men on the internet than anything. I think Pantone color of the year is kind of similar in terms of like what is culture going to be rewarding. And this year was all about femininity, right? And even the color of 2022, it's like a periwinkle, which kind of hints at this like gender binary because it's not quite pink, not quite purple, not quite blue. Like it's fluid, right? It can be anything. And this year it was Viva Magenta. And this year we really rewarded women and femininity and the expression of femininity. You're doing amazing, sweetie. So next year, they've got this peach color. What are we rewarding? Whiteness, essentially. And I think that's more expressing of a desire than it is what is actually going to happen because I've seen so much talk about societies collapsing, societies collapsing. And it's like, yeah, the society built on capitalism, patriarchy, and white supremacy is fucking collapsing, and I'm glad. And they've got all these movies coming out like Civil War... There's some kind of misunderstanding here. What? Well, you're American, okay? Okay. What kind of American are you? You don't know? And the one about the end of the world, what's it called? I'm blanking on it. Obama end of the world movie is what I'm Googling. Leave the world behind. And how it's like propaganda, blah, blah, blah. It is and it isn't. Like it's not a psyop as strategically. I think that's the biggest thing that growing up and going up the ladder in corporate America has taught me is that there's no master plan. It's just a bunch of men with egos battling it out. I think a master plan would be more comforting to be honest. But anyways, I feel like the color of the year represents that the white establishment wants to and is manifesting that next year we reward whiteness a little bit and i have been saying for years white people need to like start like grappling with their culture which includes genocide and hate and so yeah i think society is crumbling but i'm also not that scared about it i guess that kind of leads into like my big brain thought of this episode that I wanted to take you through before we get into the last topic is I was talking last week about bias. We have to think about the vantage point that a lot of our philosophies and projections of what the future is going to look like are based on the white male and their perspective and how this year has been all about calling out how flawed that perspective is. I was talking about how poor things, Barbie and Priscilla are essentially three sides of the same coin, like they're the same movie. It's not how that saying goes, but I'm being funny. In that it's about the it's born sexy yesterday trope, essentially. And it's very interesting to see how it's handled in each setting and, you know, with each 
main character. You've got Emma Stone as Bella, who's like this primordial woman. And then you've got Barbie, who's this like idea of a woman turned reality. And then you've got Priscilla, who it's an actual person who exists in her actual story so it's just very interesting all the angles are coming at it two of them are directed by women one of them is directed by a man and i'll let you guess which one we saw lots of boobs and fucking in (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with that but it's just interesting who needs to employ that plot device in their narratives in order to tell a story and what they deem important in women's self-discovery so yeah but like the one made by a man is is i would say the least hopeful i would say it's the most like humans are disgusting and terrible and that's because that's how men approach the world so they think that's how everyone does and so when i think about something like brave new world or minority report and when i think about these dystopian projections of what's going to happen and we have this idea of like big brothers watching it's always in this like scary way to punish you but i actually think what i've seen this year in practice is that when big sister is also watching a lot of good comes from it like i don't love surveillance culture but i think about some of the positive ways that women have enacted surveillance culture for example there's this woman on tiktok who her family found out that their dad is a pedophile and that he molested children in their family and he's molested like tons of girls and children over the years and the reason they found this out is because his daughter put a camera in her daughter's room and caught him she's yelling at him and she immediately is like fuck you i hate you like you're disgusting and there's video of this her sister his other daughter immediately took to the press and was like this is my dad we need to he needs to be in jail and they immediately were like we're not doing this and she talks about how so many people in their family were like i knew but it was my brother so i couldn't do anything and it's like no you can definitely do something and that is the biggest thing that like power that is like this that is based on like belittling people and abusing people it requires us to be quiet and there's that quote of like be loud because otherwise they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it and we see that happening right now in gaza like they're trying to tell us that they're doing this all for the greater good and that it's all fine and i see people in my circle out here pushing this propaganda and so i think that we've been sold this bill that like being surveilled is inherently bad but i don't think anything is inherently good or bad i think that it depends on what we do with it And I think that we see when women have access to surveillance, they use it to shine a light on dark parts of society that the powers that be would prefer stay hidden so that they can continue to get away with the evils and atrocities that they're committing in the darkness. I think that if I was going, I think that Suzanne Collins's Hunger Games version of dystopia is actually more like what we're headed towards. But even that relies on a man with a master plan and President Snow, and we know that just doesn't exist. And then the last topic of today is actually an update to something we talked about last week, the Matt Rife Brooks Schofield situation. So I talked about how an episode of the canceled podcast was going viral again, essentially, because Matt Rife was now canceled. And they said, you know, you Google Matt Rife canceled, our podcast comes up. Well, when I tell you the plot thickens, the plot thickens. In So the very next episode of the podcast that they drop after I dropped that episode, Brooke basically says that this guy that I used a code name for when I was talking about him, Mr. DC, was actually Matt Rife. So this girl had talked about this guy on, that she dated on the podcast called Mr. DC as a code name. 
and no one knew who he actually was. Turns out that it was actually Matt Reif. And when they originally filmed their podcast episode that's now re-going viral again, it was after they had had their situationship and it was over and he pretended he didn't know who she was. So he walked in and introduced himself to her. Which also is crazy because it's like, do you think she didn't tell her best friend, Tana, who you are? Do you think Tana doesn't know this? Like, it was, it, men are so fucking weird. So she basically has been talking about him for a while on her podcast, but under a pseudonym, and then was like, okay, so this guy I've been talking about under a pseudonym is Matt Rife, and also I have more tea. So then she spells more tea, but this guy's an asshole, and she's like, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to, like, bash him. Like, some people say that they're quote-unquote too nice, and I think it's, like, low self-esteem but no offense she's young but he did something terrible to her where he like went on a podcast and talked shit about her vagina like descriptively he didn't name her but he like i'm livid he went on the stiff socks podcast first of all first offense was trevor asking what his type was his answer was blondes with fake tits okay for the audio listeners I am a brunette <laughs> with fucking real tits. They're huge, but they're real. <laughs> I'm like huge, by the way, but they're real. Um, so that was like a little bit like a, offensive, but again, I, when I knew, but I justified it a little because I'm like, you know what? If someone asked me my type, I'd just say ugly guys. So like, that's not the worst thing in the world to say, but he goes on to say that he, um, is disgusted by Audi vaginas, like girls who have Audi vaginas, because it looks like God left the tag on them. Now, I'm going to give you guys the canceled exclusive here, but I, Brooke Schofield, have an Audi vagina. Okay? I've seen it. It's great. I have a fucking... And so does fucking two-thirds of America, you fucking weirdos. Imagine me sitting there, my fucking jaw on the floor, my fucking... Pussy doing the fucking line dance on the couch. <laughs> just like, what the fuck did you do? Like, I hope you just. What? I hope every single listener knows that when that podcast aired, I tried to swing. You was, guys thought that was disgusting. The, the, the public was like, oh my God, how horrible. Imagine how I felt. He literally just went on a podcast and was like, yeah, I'm fucking repulsed by this bitch. Like when you had sex with him, did you ever come? Okay, don't talk about that. Men are gross. And like, clearly he has issues and like needs to shame and blame women. And it's gross. And I hope that he just doesn't come back. He doesn't even need to be canceled. Just unsubscribed, you know? If a man talks shit, then I owe him nothing. Don't regret it one bit because he had it coming who cares like it's not canceling it's like feedback i read an op-ed actually in the la times and it was this teenager talking about how they talk about topics in class but they don't really have true discussions because he's so afraid of like what of saying the wrong thing and being canceled essentially what these men actually want is not to have open and honest discussion it's to be able to say vile shit and face no negative feedback about it but that's just not the way the world works talk shit get hit you know and that's everything I had for you guys this week. Happy holidays. Hope you enjoyed. I know I did. I'll talk to you soon and hopefully in my week. Bye.